Welcome to another edition of the Double A Team uh, for July 25th. Uh, thanks for joining us tonight. I am Stephen Nagishi. Uh, my co-host Ken Fang will be joining us uh, hopefully shortly as he just uh, texted me, uh, taking his dog out for a walk up in the uh, East Coast. Um, wherever you are uh, tonight, I hope uh, you've uh, doing very, very well uh, in this uh, sweltering heat. Uh, full disclosure... I had COVID the week uh, a week ago, and uh, I gotta tell you, uh, if you know somebody who got COVID, or if you went through yourself, let me tell you, I wouldn't wish that on uh, any uh, enemy because it really kicks your ass. And uh, thankfully, I am boosted, and um, my symptoms were somewhat mild. And uh, Ken knows about the uh, situation already. And uh, Aldo just found out about it while um, he was gone on vacation. Uh, for those of you uh, who were not uh, familiar with, uh, you know, the situation, we were like, hey, where's Aldo? Yeah, he's been on vacation. Uh, he's back with us. He's helping us produce our show tonight. And uh, we're really, really excited about it. And um, on our show tonight, the, uh, the familiar... Uh, Faces and names within the Chicago media. Uh, Teddy Greenstein, who used to be a reporter and a columnist with the Chicago Tribune, now working for PointsBet. Uh, I'm sure a lot of you uh, uh, who live in a state where sports gambling is legal may have seen uh, or heard a uh, PointsBet commercials. And uh, yes, that's where Teddy works now. And uh, we're really, really excited about uh, talking to Teddy about his career in Chicago, the current state of uh media, uh, sports gambling, and uh, he just came back from a trip to a British Open himself, and uh, we're going to be talking about the uh, the ongoing saga between the LIV, uh, the new tournament that's been backed by the Saudi government versus the PGA, where it's endgame, and so forth, so forth. And then uh, Ted is the only guest for tonight, so Ken and I will have a couple of uh, monologues to catch up, including obviously the NFL training camp uh, starting uh, yesterday or today in many, many places. I believe the Bears will kick off this week. Uh, this show, this network will cover a lot about the Bears going forward, obviously. Uh, Aldo uh, has got a lot of the shows lined up pertaining to the Bears. Uh, he already did a show this afternoon with the uh, Greg Gabio former uh, about the uh, upcoming training camp and where things stands with the Bears as well. So uh, we look forward to doing a lot of Bears contents as well as the NFL uh, moving forward as well. And uh, joining us uh, is my co-host Ken Fang. How are you, Ken? Hi, hi, Stephen. How are you? Sorry for the delay. Um, 
when you're walking your dog and you think it's going to be early, you're definitely on his schedule, not yours. So he <laughs> yep. took a little bit longer to do his business, but that's okay. <laughs> We're here and uh, glad to be with you and uh, glad to be on with you folks. And uh, we're having a great, we're going to have a great show tonight. Without a doubt. Thank you for joining us, uh, Ken. Um, you know, I've been, I was just uh, talking about my uh, bout with uh, COVID and just how difficult it is. Uh, oh, yes. Even, even if you're uh, vaccinated and how just tough it is for some people, you know, and uh, I'm in the mend uh, right now, so there might be time where I might mute in and out because I'm coughing, uh, full disclosure. So I hope uh, uh, those watching us tonight uh, will bear with me uh, for the uh, duration of the show tonight. And well, I we have uh, – oh, sorry about that. Go ahead, Ken. And I myself had my own health issues. I was in the hospital yesterday. Um, for those who do, of you who don't know, uh, last month I was off for both of our shows last month because I was having uh, kidney issues and also had a um, also had a, one of those migraine headaches. And uh, you know, it's as many people who, you know, who, who suffer from migraines, it's not fun. Um, and uh, I hated to back out at the last minute on Steven and Aldo and uh, I'm, I'm here now and uh, glad to be with you and uh, um, go ahead, Steven. I know you had, you had something to say, so I'm, I'm sorry to all who have interrupted you. Oh, no problem, Ken. Uh, I know you went through a lot, you know, health-wise yourself. And, uh, you know, we both have our issues, but, uh, you know, we're both happy to be back uh, on the air tonight. And uh, joining us is, uh, as I was saying, uh, former reporter, Tribune uh, columnist, and now with uh, PointsBet uh, USA, uh, Teddy Greenstein. Teddy, thank you for joining us tonight. Appreciate it. My pleasure, guys. How are you? Well, we were talking about our health issues and uh, how we're both kind of... Uh, you know, uh, running on fumes of sorts, but uh, we're very, very excited to have you on, Teddy, tonight. I got a bit of a summer cold <laughs> myself. I don't think it's COVID. I had COVID a couple months ago. This oh. cold has been worse than the COVID, so uh, oh, no. if I sound a little raspy. That's why. <laughs> well, you're forgiven, Teddy, and uh, thanks, Ken. Not a problem. We'll 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 forgive you in advance. <laughs> there you go. Ah, good good to talk to you, Teddy. Thanks for joining us, um, Teddy. Uh, you used to write for the uh, Chicago Tribune. Um, I believe you left about two years ago and joined PointsBet. Um, can you give us what went through your decision making in leaving, uh, you know, to traditional media and go to a uh, uh, PointsBet, which we all know is a uh, uh, one of the big names in the uh, sports gambling nowadays? Yeah, I'd love to. And it's funny when I left the Tribune after twenty-four plus years. A lot of people asked if it was bittersweet, and I said, no, it was totally sweet. Um, so what happened was it was right around this time two years ago where I got a, a PR pitch, and it went like this. Uh, it said, hey, there's this Australian-based online sports book uh, called PointsBet, and they are going to introduce Devin Hester as their Chicago face. Do you want to break the news and write about the company? And I said, absolutely. So I, I was the kind of guy who ran the NFL – uh, book pool in high school. Um, I was always wanting to write about the industry and any opportunity to do so I would. And during football season, I would uh, pick every big 10 football game against the spread, not straight up against the spread. So this is like uh, a very familiar second language to me. So I wrote the story, uh, got to know a lot of the top executives at PointsBet, including the CEO, Johnny Aiken. And he said, hey, we'll be back in town in a couple of weeks when PointsBet is becoming legal in Illinois. So we met out at a sports bar near the United Center. And it was like 
meeting your spouse. You just know things are going great. Um, I wanted to leave the newspaper business. I wanted something new after 20 something years of doing a lot of the same stuff. They wanted somebody who could theoretically, you know, talk on camera, write scripts, appear on Golf Channel, um, somebody who loves sports betting and every part of it. And somebody who was in Illinois, because Illinois is actually points bets strongest state. We have about a 10% market share here. So it worked out smoothly, easily. And um, yeah, loved my time at the Tribune. Got to cover 11 Masters. Got to do a lot of great college football, college hoops, NBA, Cubs, Sox, all the good stuff. But it was time. Yeah. And uh, we totally understand. Sometimes you re- you know, you're, you never know where your journey is going to take you. And uh, Teddy, uh, as someone who has uh, on my blog linked to you quite a bit when you did your media stories on Fang's Bites, um, right. very familiar with your work. Um, but what is it like now to be able to write about your passion, basically what it is? You're talking about something that about gambling and talking about something that used to be taboo. The NFL right. even never, never even mentioned a point spread. They always, they, it was like, it was, had to be Al Michaels who had to be that little, that guy, that little <laughs> rascal and saying, well, right. that, that, that touchdown was uh, something that maybe some of you people may, may have been interested in, or Brett Musburger saying my friends out in the desert. Now, what is it like to know that this is out in the open and, and, and being able to be part of that forefront and part of that uh, wave that where all the leagues now are embracing gambling? Yeah, those were the two. They were ahead of the curve, man. Al mm-hmm. Michaels and Brent Musburger. And then Scott Van Pelt, when he, yep. um, you know, he started to do bad beats. I think that yep. really popularized and normalized sports betting. Guys, I remember when I was watching ESPN one time and the point spreads came across the crawl on the bottom. And I was like, what am I seeing? I mean, mm-hmm. I grew up in New York and, and, and there was such a division. You had like the New York Post and Daily News, which were the papers mm-hmm. I read. And, you know, they would run these giant grids on Friday of NFL season so they were all about the spreads. And the New York Times was so anti-sports betting that they wouldn't even run the spreads in the transactions page. So you had this huge you know, divide. And then the same thing was going on in the country where I feel like you know, a good 10 to 15% of sports fans, maybe more, wanted to bet and would certainly bet when they were in Vegas and they played fantasy and they were in pools. Um, a lot of them you know, bet with bookies, either by phone or then by websites or offshore, but there was really no way to do it legally. And then thankfully won the Supreme court, you know, in 2017, I believe said States could legalize and I got to give credit uh, to Chris Christie. I don't like a ton of what he did, but that guy pushed sports betting and uh, New Jersey was the first state and we have a big presence in New Jersey. So if not for him, I'm not sure where we'd be right now, but you know, right now, PointsBet is in 10 states. We we hope to be in probably 15 quite soon. Um, Louisiana, Maryland, Ohio, a lot of states look uh, um, look very positive for sports betting in the future, and hopefully it'll be uh, way beyond that. Yeah, the state where I am in, Rhode Island, also has their own sports book, but it, PointsBet I don't think is really here yet. They have mostly going through Bally's, and, uh, which uh, sponsors a lot, which is, of course – the sponsor of a lot of regional sports networks. Uh, Massachusetts has just pretty much uh, approved a sports betting. Oh, thank time. you. <laughs> and uh, finally, uh, they're coming over. I know that uh, one of their casinos outside of Boston, uh, the Encore, has a sports book ready and waiting to go. Uh, and they're, they're looking forward to having it as well. But what is it like to see these states, Teddy, one by one, 
finally bringing down the curtain and saying, yes, let's allow betting. We know that this is going to be a big industry for us. Um, We can get taxes from it. We can get money and revenue from it, balance our budgets. What is it like to see all that after? I mean, we've all seen it, Stephen and I, and and you've all seen it, how taboo it was to talk about this. And now it's all out in the open. Exactly. And I know it drives non-betters crazy to see all the ads, um, just like you know, eight or 10 years ago, people were just losing their blankety blank when they would see all these uh, daily fantasy sports ads. I get that, but sorry, it's paying the bills. Um, we're the ones that are buying the ads and a lot of people are interested in this stuff. Um, so, you know, I was in Boston for the U S open, the golf, and just can't believe that, you know, Massachusetts still doesn't have legal sports betting. I mean, mm-hmm. uh, I think that's per capita has to have the most bookies in the country. It's such a it's such a betting town and it just seems like such a waste. You know, for the longest time, you guys heard of the stories about how New Jersey was legal and New York wasn't legal. So folks from New York would go across the go across the GW Mm -hmm. uh, or the Midtown Tunnel and bet. And then New York became legal and now they're raking it in in terms of tax dollars. Another state that I cannot believe is not legal yet is Wisconsin. So (laughs) a lot of my friends who are Wisconsin residents will cross the border or maybe a CFL proxy bet for them. But yeah, it seems inevitable. Um, If you're a state, especially a a state that borders ones that have sports betting, why are you not going to do this? I mean, it brings all the betting above board. Um, It's really exactly the same as as marijuana. Like people are going to smoke pot and they're going to want those products. So why not legalize them, tax them? Um, The quality of the product improves and there's a societal benefit. So I'm a little surprised more states haven't come around yet, but um, it looks like a, a bunch are coming. Regarding points, Ben, um, you know, obviously there's so many uh, sports books now on television 24-7. And um, what separates points bet compared to the other competitors, in your opinion? Terrific question, Stephen. I'd say a few things. You know, our name comes from an alternate style of betting called points betting. Not a lot of people do it. I think it's super fun. It, it works as a multiplier. So, for example, let's say you think that uh, Justin Fields of the Bears is going to have a huge game. His over on passing yards, let's say it's 200. Let's say then you bet uh, $5 a yard. Okay? okay? If he throws for 210 yards, that's 10 times 5. You get 50. Huh? If he throws for 220 yards, that's 20 times 5. That's 100. So it applies to statistics, over-unders, spreads. You know, in golf, we have a thing for finishing position. So, um, you know, if you think Rory is going to finish, say, better than 28th, and you go 10 bucks a spot and he finishes 8th, you get your stake times 20, 28 minus 8. So points betting is one major thing. Another thing we do is we push parlays really well. We have two daily parlay boosters. One mm-hmm. is, a, is a same game parlay. One is any parlay you can think of. So you place three legs or more. Suddenly it goes from plus 700 to maybe plus 765. And then the other thing is we want to be the home of live betting, the home of in-play betting. So we are putting tons of money in, into our technology. I believe we're still the only book where you can do uh, a live same game parlay. So let's say it's, you know, during the between the first and second quarters of a Bulls game, you can place a parlay during the game. So I would say those are the three things. And, and also, honestly, customer service. Like, look, the big boys, 
are where they are. They have the 30% market share. We know who they are. Then you've got your bed MGMs and Caesars and they can give you hotel rooms. So what we have to do at PointsBet is provide incredible customer service. And that's actually half my job now. Half my job is content and half my job is player development. So I'm bringing in clients and then giving them the best service possible. Mm. We're speaking with Teddy Greenstein of PointsBet, the Australian uh, betting company. And we heard a little bit of a picture of what Teddy does over there. And Teddy, some of the things, some of the most popular sports that you're seeing bet uh, uh, by your company, what are those at this point? Well, I always ask people this question and uh, very few people get it right. So if you guys were to wager on which sport we take the most handle on, what would you say? I'll say tennis. I'll say golf. Incorrect on both. It's actually oh. basketball just because of the sheer oh. numbers mm. of NBA and college games. Um, I like that golf answer, though. I wish that was, <laughs> that was a big golf better. I know. But tennis is extremely popular. Live betting on tennis is huge. I, I was a pretty significant Wimbledon better. Was hoping mm -hmm. Anz Jabor would uh, would take it down on the women's side. Um, you know, football is obviously ginormous, both college and the NFL, and we're gearing up for hopefully what's going to be an incredible season. Last year's postseason was <coughs> remarkable with what five or six consecutive walk-offs in the in the playoffs, and March Madness is huge, and the NBA Finals and uh, the NBA drafted pretty well for us. Golf and tennis are significant, as is baseball. Um, and then, you know, we see little fringes of, say, Olympic sports, uh, rugby, Australian rules, football, things like that. So we offer a wide array, pretty much anything you can think of other than horse racing. And we certainly would love to be able to offer the Kentucky Derby one day. What's interesting is that, um, especially when you – look at Europe, Europe is very heavy on betting on tennis. That's one yep. of the reasons I thought maybe that tennis was very popular with, with your company. <laughs> but at the same time, it's really amazing to think that a couple of tennis stars back in the uh, uh, last couple of decades were actually suspected of actually trying yep. to throw matches because <laughs> of the money that's being bet on their matches. So that's something that uh, has to be looked upon, especially especially on the ATP Tour especially on the Europe when they when they find out especially a lot of money's been bet on them oh they, they try to make some money or bet on the other player then they see yes. that they can try to throw matches that's that was one point one scandal that the ATP tour had to had to handle to me that's the sport where you have to be the most vigilant for all those reasons you mentioned I mean first of all you know you can bet the next game so if somebody is gonna you know tell some betters oh I'm gonna lose the first game of the third set I mean you have to be wary of that mm -hmm. um you know, it's an individual sport, whereas, you know, I, I think it's just so incredibly unlikely or rare that you're going to have a football player or a basketball player or a baseball player try to do something unseemly because they have a whole team um, to answer to. Golf, it doesn't make a lot of sense because the good players, you know, are, are so wealthy and it, it's just oof. We all know golf is hard enough without trying to hit a bad shot. But and there's a lot of problems. That's the one where you really have to. Watch out for somebody who's struggling and, and looking to make a quick buck. You were in the uh, uh, British Open attending the uh, the live event itself. Of course, not just for the gambling purpose, but because we all know that uh, you're quite a you know an aficionado when it comes to golf. You cover the uh, sports during your time in Chicago with, with Chicago Tribune, I should say. Um, what stood out to you the most about the uh, the the last tournament and uh, 
Um, was there any trends that you saw with regards to the uh, the tournament and where it's where it's heading? Yeah, Stephen. So just to be uh, forthcoming, I was in Scotland, but I actually was not at the old course. I was there for a buddy's trip. We played a bunch of golf. We sampled a bunch of whiskey. We considered going on Sunday, but uh, travel plans changed thanks to a canceled flight. So Sunday ended up being a travel day, and I watched the final round at Heathrow. Oh. Um, you know, from that tournament, you you definitely saw Rory was the, the dominant favorite. Well, first of all, he was the favorite going into the event. He was plus 900. Played well, played well, played well. Goes into the final round, I think, at minus 170. Cam Smith is three or four shots off. And, you know, during the round, Cam Smith is going here and Rory's going here. Rory hits every green, can't make a putt. And all of a sudden, Cam is the man. And it's a great example of live betting and kind of how exciting it can be. Because, you know, you could have had Cam Smith that morning at plus 1,200, 12 to 1. So there are a lot of people out there probably in Australia who feel like they're pretty smart right now. You know, they had faith in the mullet and he rewarded them and he had a tremendous round. And that's what I would stress right now. You know, this is what's changed about sports betting. Like, I think when we were all young, you placed your bet before the game and you had to hope that it held up. And now you can jump in at any time. You're debating whether you want to hedge, whether you want to cash out. Uh, you can make as as simple or as difficult as possible. Like I had Brooke Henderson to win last weekend's LPGA event, fortunately. But I am kind of a hedger by nature. So I took three of the players also uh, who were competitors, you know, 25 bucks at 30 to one, just in case one of them would hit. So there are a lot of decisions that go into it now, including, you know, you, you wake up, say, at eight in the morning on Sunday and they've just started playing and you can support Rory, you can support Cam, you can support anybody. And at the end of the day, you hope you're right. Speaking about golf, of course, the the elephant in the room, of course, is live golf. Yep. What is that going to do, especially now that they're playing a different type of tournament, shotgun starts, not necessarily having the individuality that we have. We have teams there. What is that? What is points bet doing and looking at that at that league as opposed to PJ Tour? And what is that going to be doing, especially as for gambling purposes? Great question. So we're in a weird spot right now with the live tour. So we're able to offer the odds in the state of Illinois. So as you guys probably know, each state is its own jurisdiction and they have their own regulators. And what you can do in one state, you can't do in another. So in some states you can uh, bet on college props and in other states you can't. Some you can bet live, some you can't. In the state of New Jersey, you cannot bet on a college sporting event that is taking place in that state or on Rutgers. <clears throat> so with live, Right now, it's only approved in Illinois. And when I asked our head trader about that recently, his response was no rules, no integrity policy, no agreements with governing bodies, and no contact on the website to get more information. So nine of our 10 states are saying, you can't bet on the live event. And Illinois is fortunately saying yes. And live should you know, take heed of that and, and try to get, uh, get up to snuff so, so all the states can bet on them. Mm -hmm. go ahead Steve. oh sorry about that uh piggyback on the question there um obviously live versus pga is becoming a hot button topic yes um where's the end game how do you see this resolved uh between two sides if at all i mean the pga tour has to come to the table you know they would have been <clears throat> 
negotiating from a, a place of strength a couple months ago. Yeah. But they played hardball and lost. You know, I mean, money, money talks. And I think people just assume that, oh, these guys are going to be so reviled by Saudi money that they're going to all, you know, turn it down and the threats to not play in the Ryder Cup and the potential threats to not be able to play in the majors would be enough to keep them away. And that turned out not to be the case. And now, you know, among your prominent players, it seems like it's roughly 50-50. So I think the PGA Tour has to be realistic. Um, There are a lot of weeks on tour where there are not great fields. So, you know, if the tour can say, okay, you guys can have these eight weeks, uh, hopefully Liv will not come back and say, okay, we need 12 weeks and not be unrealistic about this. Uh, And hopefully both tours can coexist. Um, You know, I I was saying to a lot of people early on, this is going to be more formidable than you think. And everybody who's saying, oh, you know, Liv is the worst thing. How dare you? I would just say, well, if somebody offered you 10 times as much money, to work half as much, would you say no? It's easy for people to rag on it if they're not being offered the money. But if they were, I think a lot of people would say yes. Yeah. And especially we're at this point where it's kind of a wild bus, bus situation yeah. that eventually will settle down. So you're thinking that the, the two can coexist at some point. I think so. Yeah. I mean, for example, there's a live event in uh, the Chicago area. It's a week or two after the FedEx uh, Cup playoffs conclude. It's going to be at Rich Harvest, an hour and a half west from me. And that's a great week for golf because, I mean, the Players' Championship will only have 30 players. So everybody else will still be thirsting to go out and make some money. You know, Chicago in September is beautiful. It's the best time of year. And we don't have a tour event most years. So, you know, they're really satisfying probably a lot of people by going out there. Absolutely, absolutely. Uh, we're talking with Teddy Greenstein of the uh, Points Bet, formerly with the Chicago Tribune on the Double A team, uh, Ken Fang, along with Stephen Nagisha on the uh, the Barroom Network. Um, Teddy, let's switch subject and talk about the NFL. Obviously, the uh, training camp is uh, starting. Uh, pretty much all all teams are either started uh, over the weekend or probably start at some point tomorrow or uh, Wednesday. No lighter than that. Um, you know, Ken is a Browns fan. I'm a big Bears fan. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, we both have, you know, have our love-hate relationship with our uh, teams. And uh, um, can you pull up a, uh, odds on the, uh, you know, good uh, prop uh, bets for the uh, upcoming season for both teams? And, I and absolutely can. As, as I'm doing that, I will tell you that I am a very, very sad New York Jets fan. So, <laughs> if you guys think you have it rough, I think the three of us are are, are almost dead equal in the misery factor. Um, so the Bears, I've already bet the under. Do you guys do you guys know what the the season win total is? Uh, six and a half. Exactly. I fortunately got it when it was I think minus one hundred five, and now there's such skepticism on the Bears that it's minus one forty five. Okay. On under six and a half, or you can get the over at uh, plus 120. Um, the Browns, for some reason, I don't see here. That's really surprising. I don't know why our Browns odds are not there. Um, <laughs> name another team you'd want me to look at. That's really odd. Uh, let's see. I live in New England, so if I don't mention the Patriots, who, who I absolutely hate, and I know you hate them too, Um <laughs> Uh, I, I would be remiss if I didn't mention them. So what are, what are their odds at this point? So what would you think their uh, their season win total is? I'd say 
I'd say nine and a half. I'm I'm cool saying two. It's only eight and a half. Oh, mm, it is lower than I thought. I yeah. mean, think about that. Yeah, that's a winning bet if they go nine and eight. That's yeah. Huh. Mm-hmm. And yeah. it's not that um, not that distorted over under. Mm-hmm. The over is minus one fifteen, and the under is minus one hundred five. So mm. I can't bet it. I can't root for the Patriots. But if I were, I would definitely be taking the over there. And then we, of course, also have odds to make the playoffs. So let's see if we can uh, let's see if <laughs> Cleveland is listed. Interesting. So Cleveland has clearly been suspended, I guess, because of the quarterback situation. Deshaun Watson. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Not taking action there. The Bears, what would you guys guess the Bears' odds are to make the playoffs? Plus 500. Ken, you want to jump in? Want to try? I, I'm not going to. I'm not going to make it. <laughs> Plus 350. Oh, okay. Not a price I'd pay. Minus no. 500 on the no side. Okay. Yeah. Um, so that's going to be an interesting one. Let's see. Probably the favorites are the Rams. Oh, Rams are only minus 275 to make the playoffs. Hmm. Okay. I don't love betting minus 275, but man, I would have thought they'd be minus 400 or something. That's an mm. interesting one. Right. So indeed, we have tons of NFL futures right now being offered. Of course, you can bet on all the different awards. Um, mm. I've had some success with betting, uh, you know, NBA Rookie of the Year, NBA Defensive Player of the Year. I came close on uh, Michael Parsons and Defensive Player of the Year last year. Uh-huh. Missed it at the last minute, but yeah, we have uh, we have a lot of stuff up. We also have our Week One odds up, so there's uh, mm-hmm. plenty of, of football to be bet on, even in late July. And what has it meant for points bet that now that we have an expanded mm-hmm. NFL season, instead of yeah. we have 18 weeks instead of 17, 17 games instead of 16. What does that mean for more action for points bet? Yeah, I mean, can look at it at the college level. Like, I was actually always a guy who opposed playoff expansion. I mean, once it went to four, I'm like, okay, that's good because now you probably, you won't have any undefeated teams that are shut out. But I really don't want it to go to more than four because I love the regular season. I don't want it to become like college basketball where it's just all about the postseason and I like the bowls, et cetera, et cetera. Now that I'm in this space and they're proposing, you know, larger playoffs, I, I can't hate on it because – you know, the more playoff games, the more revenue, the more excitement, the better it is for companies like PointsBet. Mm-hmm. So certainly that's how we feel about the NFL as well. I mean, we want fewer preseason games and more yes. uh, regular season and postseason games. Absolutely. Um, Absolutely. And, and in college, let's let's talk a little bit about college football. And of course, another another 800 pound gorilla is the Big Ten and its expansion yeah. and taking USC and UCLA to Los Angeles teams and expanding its market. And of course, there's also that other 800 pound gorilla, whether they get Notre Dame or not. Um, what is what would that mean for points bet if actually you get more teams at two super conferences? Yeah. Um, and what would that mean if and, and seeing travel all, all across the country for conferences and uh, what and and that comes a factor? What would that mean for points bet to see all that type of action? I think then it depends on you know when the states approve sports betting. And, and another one, I can't believe like Texas doesn't have it yet, right? Yeah. I mean, it seems like Texas and Florida, the states where anything goes, um, amazes me. But like pretty much none of those schools in the SEC. Uh, have legal sports betting that I know of. So hopefully that'll change. Hopefully we'll get California, hopefully Texas, because right now there are just so many giant markets, uh, especially where there are big time college teams uh, that are not being serviced. Hopefully that's going to change. 
-hmm. Are you worried about, you know, maybe the uh, the cozy relationship, you know, obviously with the pros and, uh, you know, the sports betting? Um, you know, you mentioned about college. We've always known that there were there were some kind of point shaving scandals that always existed in college sports and even in pro sports. Now that it's become so regular and prevalent, uh, are you yeah. worried about maybe there's a, a, you know, fine line that's kind of being gone between the, uh, you know, uh, the maintaining the uh, integrity of the game versus the, uh, the money that is being thrown around? Football, I don't worry about in the slightest bit because of NIL. So name, image and likeness. So, I mean, you know, 10 years ago, five years ago, maybe you would have had a All-America running back who feels like, hey, I'm making all this money for the university and I'm not really seeing any of it beyond uh, tuition room, board, books, stipend, et cetera. And where's my piece of the pie? Well, now they're all rich. So if you are, you know, if you have any kind of a name in college sports, you're making a ton of money. So you'd be insane to um, purposely fumble or, or somehow screw up. I mean, you'd be tainted. You'd never have a pro career. There's just no, there's no, almost no upside to it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, ab absolutely. And, and, the fact is, is that, you know, it's it's one thing for a basketball player to miss a free throw, uh, which is what we saw in the Boston College point shaving right. scandal. But it's another thing, as you mentioned, with 11 guys on a team for them to totally try and influence that game. I mean, uh, it's just going to be so difficult. You just can't really do that. So, I mean, I know that we've seen TV shows saying, oh, yeah, the wide receivers is going to drop a pass in the fourth quarter. But to actually make that type of execution is just so difficult, especially when you have so many players around him and a lot of pride going on and you're trying to win a Super Bowl or trying to win a college, a national college football playoff game. Yeah, there's too much pride in that. Every, everything's on film. Everything is examined. People mm -hmm. talk to it. I mean, if there's a player who's ugh, using a bookie in college that. I, I just don't think it's going to work. I mean, people have phone records. I, it would be virtually impossible nowadays. Right. It would not make any sense to throw away your entire future to try to make, I don't know, whatever a bookie would pay, a couple grand to try to, you know, to try to um, fumble away or, or, or drop a pass or something like that. That would be nonsensical. Since you're still well connected with the Chicago sports scene, I wanted to ask you a couple of Chicago-related sports questions. Um I think you were recently quoted on Sports Talk Chicago YouTube show. You were very high on Justin Fields, correct? Yeah, high on him, down on, you know, his supporting cast. Um, I think this season is just all about his development and keeping him healthy. But to me, if you put Justin Fields in a great situation, there's no question that he would thrive. Um, yeah. He's got everything you want. He's got intelligence, size, arm strength, athleticism, work ethic. I mean, I, I, there's nothing missing um, to be a, you know, a, a top 10, top 15 quarterback in the league. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. I mean, you can't have him running around for his life in his rookie season. I mean, that doesn't, but you don't get any confidence whatsoever. You could be the greatest quarterback coming out and win three Heismans out of the, out of college. But when you, when you have a supporting cast like that, you're going to have the type of season that Justin Fields had. I, I agree with you. I think he, he shows the talent. He has the acumen and the, and the, and the arm to actually thrive in the NFL. Chicago, the, the bears have just got to get the talent around him to, to make sure that he can thrive in that situation. Yeah, get the talent, get the coaching, get the O-line, get the receivers, uh, and even have a good defense. Because if you don't have a good defense um, that's, you know, that, where you're always playing from behind, 
sure. and they can load up on you. You know, if you're, you're down 14 nothing every time in the second quarter, that's not a good recipe either. No, man, Nagy's uh, certainly the culprit. And obviously, I think a lot of us are ready to just wash our hands off and just pretend that this is the actual rookie season under a legitimate yeah. head coach. Um, moving on to the Cubs, um, you know, the trade deadline's uh, probably, what, next week, I believe? And uh, um, who do you see the Cubs pretty much tra uh, trading away? Um, you know, the, the usual suspects, Contreras, Happ. Uh, Robertson, uh, anybody else am I missing? And, you know, where do you see the, the, the Cubs, uh, you know, the, the current state of the Cubs? And, you know, are, are the Ricketts are just basically praying that the minor league system comes through and just yeah. we do nothing at this point? It's so sad. You know, my girls are 14 and 10. And if I and we live in walking distance to Wrigley. And if I say, can you name one player on the Cubs? They can't name one player on the Cubs. <clears throat> Uh -huh. My 10-year-old's going tomorrow, and she's like, oh, my only jersey is a Rizzo jersey. I'm like, don't worry about it. That That's cool. That's cool when you have a jersey of a former player. That shows, you know, you, you've been a fan longer than uh, than 10 minutes. But, yeah, it's very depressing there. The only good news is when I'm trying to buy tickets for points bet clients, it's incredibly easy. You know, <laughs> I mean, 10 years, <clears throat> you would have probably had to shell out a couple hundred bucks each uh, for a mm -hmm. ticket, and that's not the case anymore. But, you know, it sounds like Wilson Contreras – uh, is going to go, and it's just uh, very disappointing to have a large market team that's suddenly acting like a small market team. Exactly, exactly. Um, and apparently, although we found out that the points bet has the Browns, if I turn 33 plus 3300 to win the NFL championship, the Super Bowl, and uh, mm -hmm. of course, uh, <laughs> that just goes right to my heart here because you know, the, the it, it, it's going to take a long while for the Browns to get going. Um, I can talk about their 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 quarterbacking situation until I'm blue in the face, but um, you know, that doesn't surprise me. That 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 that, <laughs> so. um, your thoughts, Teddy, on that one? Ah. Well, I mean, what is happening with Deshaun Watson? Yeah, we don't know. We, that, it all depends on what the, the commissioner decides to do on that uh, situation and, and if he's going to suspend Watson for half a season, four games, the whole season. And then, uh, of course, Baker's been traded away, so they don't really have a quarterback in yeah. case of Deshaun goes. So um, the, the Browns really messed that whole whole thing up. And, uh, you know, um, even, even bringing on Deshaun in the first place and – pretty much uh, saying Baker goodbye. So, um, you know, I, I don't know. It, it, it's it, it, that, that, that whole, that whole uh, organization is a mess right now. It is. I, I can relate to, uh, to that as a, uh, as a Jets fan and a bears observer, you see the teams that do it wrong uh, mm -hmm. and, and they just get trapped into these bad decisions year after year. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Uh, Teddy, I know that uh, you, one thing that, I became a fan of yours when you were doing a little bit of the media beat for the Tribune. You and Ed Sherman would uh, combine on that one. Right. Um, uh, you, you'd be writing about whether what's going on. And I, and I, through your work, I became pretty much a purveyor of the Chicago sports media scene, whether sports radio, whether it was TV and who's covering what. And, uh, of course, now Chicago has got uh, a couple of regional sports networks in, in, in Marquee and also NBC Sports Network. But we're seeing a point where these regional sports networks are are maybe obsolete, in a, maybe in a few years with the way cable is going. Um, as someone who has covered this beat, what is your take on on, on these regional sports networks? And and will Chicago, uh, can Chicago, uh, maybe will a gambling company perhaps get some local rights down the road? 
Interesting. I've not read about these a ton lately, Ken. You probably know more than I do. Um, I do understand like the overall, you know, obviously the overall trend of, um, of cord cutters. Uh, you know, people come out of college now and they wouldn't even consider what I do, which is to pay $180 a month for DirecTV and four DVRs in the house and just to have a traditional package. So I can certainly see where the problems come in. I mean, I did cover the industry a ton when the Big Ten Network was coming in and there was a lot of skepticism because BTN hadn't signed up with Comcast. They had with DirecTV, so I knew I'd be able to watch it either way. And then, you know, NBC Sports, yeah, I mean, the Cubs obviously broke away from from that network. But if you're still offering the Bulls, the Blackhawks, and the White Sox, um, I think you are going to have a pretty good audience. Mm-hmm. Okay, so uh, we wanted to uh, close out the interview, but before we do that, uh, we wanted to ask you about the uh, the book that you wrote. Oh, it just happened uh, to be wearing the quarter exactly. Uh, yeah, um, you know, it, it wouldn't be fair to you know without talking about it. Um, you got a lot of uh, you know the quarterbackdads.com is the actual website. I'm going to put up a, a link there for people to. Uh, you know, uh, look for the book or, you know, if they're interested in the reading about the book uh, before the uh, the football season. Uh, thank you, Aldo, for pulling it up there. Yeah. Um, tell us about the book itself. You know, I can kind of get the idea of, uh, you know, the book. You know, we can always think of, um, you know, somebody most notori- not- not- notably, um, you know, Todd Marinovich's uh, father being the, yes. uh, you know, the, you know, the, the guy who had a hands on everything that he did and obviously, you know, didn't really pan out, but are there any, you know, other examples that a lot of us are probably not aware of, or, you know, is how, how prevalent is the uh, issue with the quarterback dads, not just with quarterbacks, but in, in other sports in general? Yeah. So Stephen, I wanted to highlight, you know, a lot of good dads and then a lot of problematic ones. So exactly. Todd Marinovich is, he, w- he didn't get to have a childhood. You know, his dad turned him into a science experiment, wasn't able to have a Big Mac or drink a Coke or any kind of a normal life. He sort of lived in fear of his father. And, um, you know, his dad is just a one-track mind. And he gathered mm-hmm. scientists and all these guys to make sure his kid would be a football player. And Todd did end up making it to the NFL, but just not a really fully formed human being and a drug addict, poor guy. So we're rooting for him. And I talked to Todd for the book. And he has a son who wants to play quarterback and Todd's really conflicted because mm-hmm. he's would rather he be a professional golfer, but uh, the kid loves to play quarterback. And then I talked to tons of dads, you know, Archie Manning, who obviously birthed yes. Peyton and Eli, and then a lot of dads of top youth players. So there's a guy, J.R. Taylor, and his son Trey is in the northern suburbs of Chicago and his, his son... Last year as a seventh grader, got an offer from the University of Maryland. So I've asked a lot of these dads for advice, what to do, what not to do. I've talked to a lot of coaches. You know, one of the themes of the book really is do not specialize. So if you've got a promising quarterback, don't only play football. You know, go outside, play tag, play baseball, run track, play basketball. All the smart dads and coaches will tell you, you want to develop all those muscles in your body. You want to be competitive. You want to be on different teams. Um, so that's an interesting element. Also talked a lot about recruiting, a lot about social media. So if you have a a son or a daughter who's in youth sports, mind play soccer, I think this is going to be very useful because we all have these same debates about 
<clears throat> what do we do on the car ride home? And should we coach our own kids? And should we set their alarm clocks on Saturday morning or should the kid be a self-starter? So it's really universal questions for the parents of, uh, of, of little athletes who play youth sports. And, um, you know, football's uh, the biggest sport and quarterback's the most intriguing position. So I attacked it through that through that spot. And we've always heard the the of course, there's the there's the tennis dad or, the, as you mentioned, the quarterback dad who tried to live off their kid and, and try to make a living off their kid, realizing that uh, thinking that, hey, we can make money off them. And we heard the, right. some of the nightmare stories like Andrea Yeager, who had her dad, you know, you know, a really a physically abuser off the court. Yes. Um, so I'm, I, I'm glad you wrote this book because we really it's, it's something it's about self-awareness and also making sure that. Those younger dads who have their kids coming up, and as you mentioned, playing youth sports, know the dangers and the perils of what's coming up and may, may, may be coming up ahead of them and how they can avoid those those traps. Yeah, I mean, the book, the goal is to be it's a it's a combination of, you know, story. You got storytelling of these fathers and sons, whether it's Chris and Phil Sims or the Mannings or Warren Moon or the Marinoviches, where you're going to be like, wow, I can't believe what transpired mixed with advice. Um you know, J.J. McCarthy, who's the quarterback at Michigan. I have a big chapter on him and his dad, um, Jim McCarthy, who was really a model quarterback dad in a lot of ways. So I think people are going to take a lot of, you know, uh, tips from it. And then, hey, if they want a really good looking quarter zip, they can go right on that website, QBDads.com. They can get the book. They can get some gear. Uh, if they want to buy an autographed copy, they can just DM me on Twitter at Teddy Greenstein. Um, and as we gear up toward football season, uh, hopefully people are going to want to read about these guys. Well, Teddy Greenstein of points bet. Uh, we thank you for coming on with us. Thanks for talking to us about all things about gambling and a little bit about Chicago sports and golf. We really appreciate it. We'd love to have you back on uh, as we get closer to football season. Those were great questions. Love the conversation. Steven, Ken, have a great night. Thanks for having me. Thank, thank you, Teddy. You. Thank you, Teddy. And the double A team will continue right after this. Yes, it's too early. I think it's quite obvious that both he and Matt Eberflus are playing the long game here. I imagine they were given a pretty long leash uh, by George McCaskey, so they aren't looking to patch things together like the last regime did. I think expectations are quite modest this year because they're going to have a boatload of cap space heading into the 2023 season, potentially over $100 million. Now, they won't have many guys under contract, so that money's going to go fast, but Ryan Poles is taking this opportunity to build this team exactly how he wants to. I think fans will be patient, as patient as Bears fans get at least in 2022, because they want to see their franchise quarterback take another step forward, but also understand that this isn't exactly a Super Bowl roster on paper. I think this position was attracted to Ryan Poles because he saw the opportunity to build this team from scratch because of the upcoming cap flexibility. people don't talk about this more is oracle park um in san francisco like that's just such a neat field like you know just the the whole aspect of it um you know it's, it's kind of breathtaking growing up in st louis you know you it's basically them them and the cardinals um for what five years uh from like 2010 to 2015 or whatever it was um you know it's just back and forth so 
you know, I, I you see that that park going up in the postseason all the time, and I walk in, it's like, holy cow, man! Like this is this is sweet, and like the atmosphere, the fans are unbelievable there. Um, so I was I was fortunate enough to you know go to an NL park, um, you know, out west, which which not many guys get to do in their their first first season. Catch this episode of South Burbs Hitman On Demand wherever you get podcasts or head over to YouTube and watch the video stream and make sure you subscribe so that way you don't miss out on any of the Barroom Network's live programming. And we're back on the AA Network, the AAT, the Barroom Network. It'd be interesting if we had an actual AA network <laughs> uh, <laughs> but anyway we have the barroom network and the double a team back with you ken fang along with steven nagishi and there is no south burbs hitman tonight but uh, of course don't forget that you can usually see them live following our show uh on mondays uh during baseball season steven we got a lot of some time here so we let's talk about a few things here um we talked about we talked a little bit about this with uh teddy uh the nfl training camps open so we can talk a little bit more and go into depth about uh, what we expect for our teams. Um, mm-hmm. Let's go a little bit into the Chicago Bears. Uh, of course, one of the things that uh, was unveiled was their third helmet, which I'm not a big fan of. I don't know if you are. But, uh, <laughs> no. Anyway, besides from that, uh, what are the, some of the things that you're looking forward to as training camp opens? Well, there are a couple of news that broke today, um, one being the, uh, the mayor's uh, rendering mayor's office uh, re- releasing a, a rendering of the the new uh, dome uh, uh, over Soldier Field uh, in their last ditch effort to keep the Bears from leaving for uh, in the suburbs, um, Arlington Park, in the uh, old, uh, I believe, uh, horse racing track. But well, this is a well, this is a <laughs> well, it's 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 close, but um, I gotta tell you, I you know, I get it, but you know, putting a, a dome on top of the ones that we have right now, uh, really don't do enough justice. Um, you know, you I know they're saying they're going to add extra 10,000 seats to it, but. You know, you're just basically, you know, putting, you know, picking a lipstick. Uh, let's face it, that old, that that current uh, Soldier Field, unfortunately, just isn't enough, uh, isn't attractive enough, and um, it, it looks good. I'm not going to lie, but I think the uh, the deal's done, pretty much. Um, that they're moving to Arlington uh, Heights. Uh, they'll have a bigger stadium, obviously, bigger seats, bigger capacity. Um, they can control the parking, you know, et cetera, et cetera. So, you know, we'll see. Um, I, I think uh, this is a last ditch effort, but, you know, you, you wish that, that this, this would have happened when they built the stadium back uh, almost 20 years ago when they actually uh, uh, completely completed the uh, construction. Um, you know, they, Lessen the uh, seating, which is probably one of the worst, uh, you know, seating capacities in all of yeah, uh, football, yeah. unfortunately. And, uh, you know, even with the new design, you know, the, the turf still sucks. You know, the, the wind is still howling. Nothing really, you know, 
this doesn't do me, you know, this doesn't move me at all. And I don't think a lot of people watching this probably, you know, wouldn't uh, favor uh, this one right now, to be honest. The other thing uh, that broke today, you know, several hours ago, obviously, is that Roquan Smith announcing that he's holding out. Now, he's mm -hmm. he represents himself. So he's the one that the Bears have to talk to directly, which obviously is a good thing because the, the line of communication exists. But at the same time, I don't know if they want to be talking to him during the, uh, you know, in the uh, very important times, not only of his career, but the Bears obviously starting new and, you know, Smith being a leader and one of the most talented player on that defense. Um, you know, second round pick Jaquan Brisker is still uh, having signed and he's holding out. So that's two big holdouts on defense alone that, uh, you know, the Bears are, are you know, really uh, hung up on that they really need to get it done before this drags uh, any further into the uh, just before the uh, start of the season. Because you have a veteran who, who obviously is going to be the, uh, the key to the, uh, the, uh, the, this upcoming season and a rookie who is expected to contribute, but, you know, obviously – without, you know, any uh, meaningful practices and preseasons, you know, he's going to suffer a lot. So, you know, Ryan Poles is obviously going to be tested uh, right now. You know, uh, some of the free agents that he's signed already, three of them have been arrested. Mm -hmm. And obviously that's not on Ryan Poles, but it, it's not a good look right now on the organization that you have to, you know, you have three players who are, you know, could be cut at any moment because of their off-field transgression. But, you know, you have two players who are probably looking at the Ryan Poles' uh, precarious position and uh, thinking that they can probably, you know, uh, pull a fast one on him just to see, you know, see how he would react and how he would deal with it. So, you know, we'll see how he does. You know, hopefully this gets resolved. And I do expect that to get resolved one way or the other. It's, it's, it's not a question of whether the Bears will pay, not pay or not. I think they will pay, uh, but it, how soon can they get it done? So I'm expecting Ryan Poles to, uh, you know, hit the, hit the books, hit, the, you know, hit it off and uh, just to, you know, uh, get this done ASAP. The other thing, of course, is the, um, you know, how much, uh, you know, well, Justin Fields play this preseason. You know, I, I, I would like to see him play a lot. Obviously, reps are important, but, you know, we've seen a lot of players who get uh, banged up or suffer serious injuries uh, in, uh, you know, preseason, even with the three games now. And, uh, you know, those three games, it's uh, it's it, it's important to give him a lot, a lot of uh, snaps, obviously, but you don't want him playing, uh, you know, fourth quarter into the final preseason games uh, at all, you know, so. I'm I'm anxious to see what the Matt Eberflus and Ryan Poles uh, does. You know, Luke Getze, what kind of plan they have in the uh, uh, preseason, and uh, you know, balancing the uh, keeping the team upright and uh, getting as much reps as possible for the offense to be more effective. So, mm -hmm. <clears throat> yeah, and uh, uh, sorry about that. Go ahead. Ken. It, it's going to be interesting to see how Chicago and how the Bears mm -hmm. handle this situation. At least they have a quarterback. We know that Justin Fields is going to be their quarterback. My situation with the Browns, we don't know what's going to go with Deshaun Watson. We don't know. I mean, he has settled most of the cases, if not all of the cases that have gone against him being sued by women uh, in Houston. Uh, we're going back to the massage parlor business uh, that he's mm -hmm. had, had to deal with. 
But also at the same time, the the whole thing is about whether he's going to get suspended. He will be suspended. We just don't know whether it's going to be for four games, eight games, the entire season. I think that's one thing that Roger Goodell is looking at because he's the one that's going to have to make this decision. Um, the Browns, um, I can't believe they put all their eggs in one basket. Um, they have, uh, and as he mentioned, as I mentioned here in the blurb, that he's reported at training camp ahead of the NFL ruling. But the whole issue is, is that is he going to play? And if yes. he does play, then the Browns have a decent shot. If he doesn't play, we don't know who the quarterback is. And, that, and that's the thing. They, they traded Baker Mayfield away. Um, they really had to. They had no choice. You can't have Baker being there as a holding pattern. You say, hey, Baker, you may play. You may play this season. You may replace uh, Deshaun Watson. You just may be a one-year one year hit for us. So you, it's just one of those situations where um, the Browns, again, are shooting themselves in their own foot. Uh, we have infighting. We have uh, Browns wide receiver Anthony Schwartz being blamed for Baker's uh, Baker's shoulder injury last season as he uh, stopped short on a deep pattern um, uh, during week two last season. So, again, uh, turmoil is the key word for the Browns when they go into a training camp. This year is no different, and I, I don't expect very good things out of this Browns team uh, right now in this situation, uh, Stephen, I'm just, uh, you know, I, I've lost multiple body parts as they shut down when I watched the Browns play during this season. Um, and as you can see there, um, it's a civil war amongst the Browns uh, fan base. Some fans want to, are, are um, supporting him. I am in the camp of right now. I, I didn't like the signing and I still don't like the signing. And uh, I, I just don't know where we're going to be landing with this situation because the Browns put all their eggs in one basket. And yeah. uh, I'm, I'm just really beside myself and uh, really hard to be a Browns fan right now because, you know, when you have that type of split, it's not good, especially when you have fans on one side and on one side supporting him and you have uh, fans on the other side uh, not supporting him and wishing that this signing had never happened, Stephen. Right. Um, you know, it's, 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 it's very difficult. I can only imagine how difficult it is for you to, you know, having to pick size right now. And obviously you made your, your, you made your point very, very clear regarding this. And, um, you know, uh, it's hard to, you know, kind of put morality into situations like this, especially, you know, we, we, we've talked a lot about the, uh, you know, the, sports organizers and their involvement, obviously, with the uh, corrupt organizations, you know, LIV, obviously, being backed by Saudi government. You know, we've spoken a lot about the uh, Olympic organizations, you know, being uh, very, very reckless with the uh, the whole COVID situation, as well as the uh, the selection committee, et cetera, et cetera. You know, it's not just the organizers, but the, um, you know, the athletes themselves, they're obviously putting themselves in a very, very uh you know uh a slippery a slippery slope i should say with what they do off the sea off their off the field which you know um it's it's none of none of our business of course but there are certain standards that uh, every athlete and every organizations certainly has to meet and uh you know obviously the nfl can't afford to let this drag on because you know, they're going to be met swiftly with the, uh, you know, oh, yeah. Watson and the NFLPA. And, you know, they're going to they're going to offer their rebuttal, you know, obviously. 
there, there, there are probably going to be some compromises being made. But, uh, you know, this is going to be interesting because, you know, we've had similar incidents, you know, with the Ben Roethlisberger's before. Obviously, he got suspended, but not a lot of, ex, you know, extended mm-hmm. suspension. But, uh, you know, this is such a such a unprecedented number of women suing Watson and the Houston Texans, even though. You know, a couple of weeks ago, or maybe last week, I think they, uh, Watson ended up settling with all the women who sued yeah, him. Yeah, yeah. But the damage, obviously, is done. And, you know, quite frankly, you know, if you're the Chicago Bears, you know, these are the things that, uh, you know, the <laughs> the least of our concerns right now. But, you know, it's 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 a it's a fine line between uh, between, you know, being morally obligated and then just being, you know, immoral. So. Mm-hmm. We'll see how this uh, ruling uh, going forward could impact the uh, not just the Browns, but the NFL in general. We continue with the NFL. Um, and the NFL announced today a new streaming service that they have. Uh, no, not NFL Sunday ticket. That's the story I've been following. And I have a newsletter, the Fangs Bites newsletter. And uh, I can I can tell you how to subscribe to that later on. But um, yes. in regards to NFL Plus, this is basically his game plan that which they had offered at a service. It was under under Yahoo and under Verizon. Now it's all under um, it's all under the NFL Plus app. It's all under NFL the NFL app. It's going to be a service there. It's going to be a pay service. There's going to be two tiers: one four ninety nine a month, which is twenty four dollars if you want to spend it for the entire year. You'll get all of the games on in, that are in your local market. It's not going to be out of market. It's not going to be Sunday tickets. So if you're in Chicago, you're going to see all the games that are available in Chicago. Of course, the Bears, uh, anything that's on CBS and your local affiliate, um, the primetime games, Sunday night football. Yes, even Thursday night football, Amazon is there. So if you don't want to cho- choose to subscribe to Amazon uh, and, and pay the, uh, the exorbitant prices that Amazon has for Amazon Prime, you could get four ninety nine a month and get that uh, Sunday, that Thursday night football game on Amazon, as well as Monday night football. It's not a bad price. Uh, I think that's an introductory price. Four ninety nine a month, twenty four dollars for the entire twenty. Yeah, twenty four dollars, thirty dollars. Excuse me for the entire year. And if you want to go to a premium tier by getting all of the um, on demand programming plus tw- all twenty two, the film that a lot of uh, fantasy players like to see, and a lot of uh, People who like to watch that type of film, they get this. That's going to be nine ninety nine a month. Um, I'm interested in this because maybe I, I'd subscribe to that. Four ninety nine a month is not that bad, especially for the football season. Uh, Stephen, mm-hmm. uh, it's not going to be Sunday ticket because it's all going to be in market games. But still, if you don't want to subscribe to Amazon and Thursday night football and and and, and pay, I think it's nine ninety nine a month for Amazon Prime. And also even higher if you go for the year. I think it's over $100 a year if you want to go to Amazon Prime and have their service. So this isn't a bad thing. It's not, it's not a it's it's not a it's a reasonable price to get all those games. Absolutely. You know, I'm a out-of-state uh, Bears fan, obviously. So, you know, this is going to be very, very interesting and uh, see how this uh, works work itself out. You know, you knew this was going to happen, you know, ESPN Plus, now NFL Plus. As you can see, as I'm sharing the screen on the uh, uh, the stream yard there. So what this uh, <laughs> he's going to hand his checkbook. Yeah, we we're all. I think we all are, especially when you have four ninety nine a month. That's to get if you're going to. It's a one stop clearing shop for all all for for all your local games. And if you like, I said, don't want to go to Amazon. It's going to be there as well. 
Yeah, absolutely. You know, more more choices. Obviously, that means uh, you know a lot of us will have to shell out of our own pockets just to watch a game. And uh, you know, NFL's the uh, the king. You know, the content is the king. So, you know, obviously, NFL have their own uh, you know streaming service and uh, makes sense. And uh, you know, we'll see uh, how many people are going to jump on this. And uh, and uh, obviously. Uh, you know how it will be well you know we how it will be received uh, going forward you know there are going to be some glitches but uh, you know hopefully uh, there won't be too many to a point where you know we can watch games or things like that so mm -hmm. and of course the other uh, big uh, elephant in the room for the NFL especially in sports media i can't really comment much about it because of where i work uh, which is apple retail but uh, sunday ticket is the still the big um, media contract that media rights contract that the NFL has to award this year? Uh, we found out that Google is a surprise uh, bidder along with Apple and Amazon. It looks like Disney is not in the bidding anymore because uh, the NFL wants not just two billion dollars. They don't just want two point five billion dollars. But according to some of the articles I'm reading, they want $3 billion per season for this. And they know that Apple and Amazon and Google have deep pockets. Amazon, of course, would piggyback this off Thursday Night Football. Uh, Google would put it on YouTube on Sunday afternoons. And then, of course, there's Apple with the streaming service. Um, whoever gets it, Stephen, the NFL is just going to make a lot of bank on this. Oh, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. I think the... Uh... I just hope that, uh, you know, they're not going to price the uh, the fans too much to a point where, you know, we have to be minding, you know, whether we care about the, uh, the you know, the streaming service or where the next meal is coming from, and, you know, in, in that part of the uh, equation. I hope we don't have to come to that given, you know, the uh, inflation that uh, we're uh, dealing with yeah, throughout this country right now. So, yeah, one of the reasons why I stopped um subscribing to direct TV and I had NFL Sunday ticket as part of my subscription um, was the fact that I got priced out and I, I love Sunday ticket. I love the fact that they were the first to start the red zone channel with Andrew Siciliano. The NFL's followed suit with their own red zone uh, service with Scott Hansen. But mm -hmm. uh, to me, it's the only way to watch uh, for me. It's the only way to watch games because when you get that taste of being uh, of letting the uh, NFL or DirecTV, take your remote and just take it hopscotch from game to game. Uh, it's the only way to watch the game, watch the games. But uh, Sunday ticket, it's if if whoever gets it, uh, I think that they are going to uh, whoever gets it is going to offer some type of different different package where maybe you can buy a different week, buy a game sure. instead of having to buy a whole season. So we'll see what happens on this. Um, I know that people would love to see Google get the contract, uh, whether it's Apple. I can't really comment whether Apple is going to get it. I can't really, but it, it, it's, it's the big, it's the big um, elephant in the room. And that's the, one of the reasons why I think Disney's uh, Disney's not going to get it. Um, I, I think I have a feeling that uh, one of those three services, Google, Amazon, or Apple is going to get it. They have deep pockets. They can sure. to them $3 billion a, a year is not, is a drop in the bucket. So, Stephen, as you mentioned, we hope it's going to be reasonably priced, but I have a feeling it's still going to be like $200, $300 per, per season. Yeah, we'll keep an eye out on this and, uh, you know, hopefully we'll have somebody 
uh, on our show to talk more about the, uh, yeah. the you know the current state of the uh, streaming uh, media as well as uh, you know the sports media is going forward as well. So, yep, and of course uh, John Orand, who is someone I follow a lot on Sports Business Journal, and uh, Andrew Marchand of the New York Post, uh, mm-hmm. they both both say that well something must be wrong if the NFL hasn't um, awarded the contract by now, but. Brian Rolap, who is the head of uh, NFL chief media, wrote a guest column last week uh, on Monday Morning Quarterback at SI.com uh, saying that um, they can't reveal it yet, but they the fact is is that NFL Sunday ticket will look different in 2023. Uh, we don't have to worry about it this season because DirecTV still has the contract for one more season, but uh, we'll, we'll see um, what happens on that one. Uh, it's going to be quite interesting. Um, in regards to uh, any anything else you want to mention on the Bears before we take a break, Stephen, because I know we have a couple minutes before before we go to break. No, uh, I think I pretty much covered it. Um, you know, this show, you know, this network uh, will be, uh, you know, Bears heavily focused on the Bears uh, going forward. Obviously, with the training camp and also come September, also you know, there's uh, so many uh, shows. If you've been following this network for quite some time for the Bears coverage, you know. You know, this uh, network f- puts a lot of emphasis on the Bears. Obviously, uh, Aldo is the, the main man, you know, running the show, you know, behind the scenes stuff as well. So, uh, you know, hopefully uh, you'll keep up with the network and, uh, you know, do our best and, uh, and uh, enjoy the, uh, our, uh, you know, impeccable Bears coverage uh, throughout the uh, 2022 season. Absolutely. We're going to be taking a quick break. Coming up uh, in the next segment, we'll talk a little bit about the WWE and Vince McMahon, his surprising announcement of his retirement, um, and also Stephanie McMahon, his daughter taking over. Triple H, Paul Levesque is going to be heading over, heading up content, and of course, uh, what this all means to the company and what this is, means for his legacy, uh, especially in the wake of the stories that have come out. That's all coming up next on the Double A team here on the Barroom Network. Stay with us. We're going to Baltimore. The Wire is the best show of all time. And I've never seen such riveting TV where I actually felt like I was in East and West Baltimore every single episode. And um, it was just absolutely riveting and captivating from season one all the way to season, you know, to it finished up. And I'd put True Detective up there. McConaughey and Woody Harrelson. I mean, come on. It was just so well shot, so well written, directed. Like, I I feel like it's underrated as far as that list goes. Really good. of having uh, altering uh no no because uh mark trustman did that and matt Nagy did that and arguably they're the worst two coaches in the history of the franchise <laughs> you're forgetting john fox he squeezes in there baby <laughs> uh did fox do that too i, I think so uh, that put the c on fields and leave it there exactly
back on the double A team here on the Barroom Network. Ken Feng along with David One of the more interesting stories that came out over this past week was the retirement, sudden retirement of Vince McMahon as the CEO of um, of WWE, World, Wrestle, World Wrestling Entertainment. He has been the face of the company. Um, he had to step down earlier this year because of an investigation due to his um, alleged uh, affairs with women, as you can see there on the screen, uh, and have paid hush money to four women to, uh, to keep quiet on some sexual misconduct in the company. Um, he was basically the board basically forced him out uh, as the C, uh, as the the leader as a chairman of the board. Uh, now he he was still CEO, but uh, then uh, announced his retirement. Taking over for him will be Stephanie McMahon, his daughter, and will be uh, and also taking over will be Nick Khan uh, as the chief CEO, chief operating officers of the company. Uh, also taking over as creative, coming back to the company. Uh, is Triple H Paul Levesque. Um, he had been away to do health reasons, but apparently this is going to be still in the McMahon family, but also as part of the Stephanie McMahon family with him and her husband, Triple H, taking over. Uh, Stephen, this is it was a shocking story to begin with uh, about Vince McMahon, but the whole thing that has transpired over the last few weeks leading to his leaving the company um, and to his sudden downfall uh, there's no doubt that he has to be given credit for giving, making the WWE in such a giant company, but also at the same time, he, he has uh, done a lot of things uh, to uh, to uh, perpetuate stereotypes, uh, racism, uh, nihilism, uh, a lot of uh, also uh, sexism. Um, it, it, he is uh, uh, also going back to steroids also, too, uh, which happened amongst Hulk Hogan. And a lot of uh, his wrestlers ahead of time, and also suicides. There's a lot of things. He has a lot of he. I, I don't want to say blood on his hands, but there's sure. a lot of issues that he has led to that he has to answer for. And uh, I know he can sleep at night because of his. And he's going to say he can sleep at night because of the money he made. But still, there's a lot of things he has to answer for. Yeah, you know, Cliff uh, posted a very interesting comment here. You know, Vince is wrestling. You know. Uh, you know, he personified WWE with, uh, you know, from the uh, days of territorial, you know, wrestling, you know, uh, you know, consolidating them into one giant uh, wrestling, uh, you know, empire, you know, WWF and uh, eventually uh, WWE after a spout with the, uh, the uh, you know, the World you know, Wildlife uh, Federation. But, um, you know, I think at, at least some of us, you know, they, they'd be lying if they say that, um, you know, they didn't watch wrestling growing up. You know, uh, here's this interesting article on the uh, the dead, uh, Deadspin, uh, Sam Fells. Vince McMahon is an actual American story. Um, you know, we watched wrestling because, uh, you know, we really enjoyed it, you know, at some point. You know, we grew up wanting to be one of those guys, you know, in ring. Uh, but... Behind the, uh, you know, the glitz and the glamour, you know, you mentioned these wrestlers wrestled constantly uh, all over the, you know, the, the states, all over the cities, uh, almost nonstop. And then and they ended up using, you know, performance enhancing drugs, PEDs. And, you know, you mentioned 
steroids just to uh, keep themselves uh, in shape. You know, I've seen my fair share of, uh, you know, wrestling uh, chronicles uh, or stories, you know, uh, recently about the, um, uh, you know, the wrestlers that uh, who are no longer with us, you know, uh, mm -hmm. because of the uh, drugs and alcohol. And, you know, Vince deserve a lot of credit. There's no question about that. But, you know, Vince is probably like an epitome of, you know, the American way, whether it's good or bad. You know, he like like I said, you know, he's gotten a lot of pass because of, um, you know, his power. And, uh, you know, we, we've seen that with the uh, the system that is showing a lot of crack in the in this country, you know, from a political and economical uh, you know perspective. And we see the people who are, you know, enabling the system, the policies. And, uh, you know, Vince is, uh, you know, the WWE himself. You know, without him, I know there's part of him. He feels that, that the WWE is nothing without them. And, right. you know, he certainly lived the life of a, uh, you know, uh, a dictator or, you know, like a, a, a crazed man or, you know, a savvy businessman all in one. But, you know, in this day and age, you know, it finally caught up to him. And, mm -hmm. you know, the, the WWE product in recent decade, in recent decade, it has not been good. You know, obviously we all know the Monday night war with the, you know, the old WCW, which was, uh, you know, backed by Ted Turner and, uh, you know, the, uh, the, you know, the Time Warner media group at its height. And, you know, we thought that the WWE was dead, but they managed to, uh, you know, climb out of the, you know, the doldrums and, uh, you know, they ended up uh, kicking WCW's ass. You know, they ended up buying up the, you know, the wrestling uh, WCW. And, uh, you know, for, for a while, they were the only game in town. Yep. Nowadays, you know, if you look at the wrestling, it's pretty diverse. You have New Japan Pro Wrestling uh, and, uh, you know, the Ring of Honor, ROH, which kind of went, went away and then now came back up again. And uh, you have the upstart AEW with uh, Tony Khan, you know, who owns the, uh, you know, who's the son of, uh, you know, Shavkan, who owns the uh, the Jacksonville Jaguars, and also the Fulham uh, FC in the uh, English Premier League, um, you know, trying to dethrone you know uh, the WWE's uh, grip on the wrestling uh, world right now. And you know, it's not just you know, it's uh, WWE is no longer the uh, you know the only game in town. You know, the Vince mm -hmm. was you know running the show. You know, the people always complain about the uh, the lack of stars, uh, the lack of creativity. You know, that's what uh, AEW uh, offered its wrestlers. Now that, uh, you know, the, uh, the elephant in the room is gone, I'm very curious, will this lead to a better product? Um, will the wrestlers suddenly decide to wanting to go back to WWE and, uh, you know, start wrestling, knowing that the w, uh, you know, Vince McMahon is no longer hovering above, you know, uh, Stephanie McMahon and, uh, you know, Triple H? who is married to you know, Stephanie, as we all know, uh, in real life, uh, taking over the creatives. Um, this is going to be very interesting. You know, you know, there's going to be some power struggles between, you know, the McMahon family side and uh, Nick Khan, who is a uh, uh, co-CEO, who handles mostly the business side of it. So, you know, um, Vince McMahon's legacy certainly will live on, but, uh, uh, you know, he ended up... Uh, 
you know, uh, uh, putting a hole, uh, you know, uh, digging a hole for himself. That's unfortunately this time was just too deep for him to even climb out of it because of the, uh, you know, the, the security filings, you know, the money, hush money paid was not reported according to the uh, SEC filings. So, you know, if you keep poking at it, you know, it was going to get, uh, you know, worse and worse for Vince, for even for Vince to uh, defy, uh, you know, logic and uh, orders. So, mm -hmm. you know, I think uh, it had to be done, you know, for Vince. Uh, his legacy will keep on going, uh, whether for the better, for the worse. And, um, you know, for for the wrestlers who wanted the uh, a new era in the WWE, they got their wish. Now let's see what happens with the brand new products and uh, you know the new creative storylines. Hopefully, will lead to better products. You know, it's a it's a wait and see game right now, I guess. Yeah, and that's the whole thing. I I, I think right now, to be honest with you, AEW is a better product. Um, there's more dynamic wrestling. There's more dynamic storylines. Tony Khan came out with a tweet saying, "I am now the longest running CEO in the in wrestling." <laughs> a little bit of a trolling towards Vince McMahon, of course. But sure. at the same time, uh, I have a feeling that uh, the competition is going to be good. Competition mm -hmm. between the two, uh, AEW and WWE, New Japan Wrestling has always been there. Uh, it's kind of considered uh, not on the same level as no. a WWE, but at the same time, it's there, it's out there. Uh, as you mentioned, Ring of Honor was there. Sinclair basically killed it. Um, but uh, I think that AEW has the strength and the money to give WWE a challenge. They're, they bought time on Turner, uh, on TBS, and they're doing very well on Wednesday nights. Um, and I think that this is something that we'll keep an eye on uh, over the next few years because this is not a marathon. This is not a sprint. This is a marathon between these two companies. And we saw what the competition did in the 90s between WCW and WWE with Monday Night is Raw and Monday Night Nitro uh, and Monday Nitro. Um, it was great television for a while for those wars. Um, but of course, as you mentioned, uh, Vince bought up WCW, which led to a monopoly for a while. Um, so I have and also it bought up ECW, uh, right. which was a, which was a great uh, I, I went to some of those shows, uh, Stephen. And those are great to watch as well. Extreme Championship Wrestling was was for me better than both of those at one time. But uh, at the same time, I have a feeling that AEW is going to give the WWE a run for its money. Um, absolutely, absolutely. And oh, what is what other subject did you want to speak about tonight, uh, Stephen? I know we had a lot. We had quite a few things to to talk about uh, as sure. we didn't have a second guess. But what are some of the other things that you wanted to to discuss as well? All right, so we're going to close out by talking about the uh, upcoming uh, baseball trade deadline. You know, there are some uh, very, uh, you know, interesting names are, you know, uh, that are likely to be put on the uh, trading block. We all know the Cubs, you know, we mentioned with uh, Teddy Greenstein, you know, Wilson Contreras, Ian Happ, and pretty much, you know, uh, given up uh, that they're both going to be traded you know, either to the same team or maybe separately, who knows. But obviously there are a couple of interesting names, um, you know, two of them at least. Juan Soto with the Nationals and uh, Shohei Otani with the Angels. Yep. Um, you know, Soto turned down 15-year, $440 million uh, extension uh, with the Nationals. So that really led to any speculation that he's going to be traded and uh, he'll probably likely be traded. 
Yes. And, yes. Um, you know, Shohei Otani has had a very good season again this year. Maybe not as, you know, dominant as uh, last year, but, you know, he is certainly a, quite a talent that uh, we can all enjoy and uh, appreciate having to pitch and hit uh, pretty much, um, you know, playing both positions. Um, it's, 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 it's beyond me that uh, the Angels with him and uh, Mike Trout have floundered so badly, uh, mm-hmm. you know, for the last five years. And, you know, firing Joe Madden uh, obviously hasn't done anything. And, uh, you know, I'm very curious, you know, um, you know, the Mets are probably the key team. I know the Nationals will probably never trade Soto within their own division, knowing that yeah. uh, Soto could uh, dominate uh, you know, Soto and the Mets could dominate that division for five years. It could be just the Mets and the Braves and the rest of the uh, the NL East. And then, um, you know, what are you going to do with Shohei Otani? You know, he's a free agent in two, uh, uh, after next year. You know, the Angels are floundering. Uh, Artie Moreno, the owner, is, uh, you know, uh, a terrible owner. And, uh, you know, do you, do you give up something for him now? Or right. do you wait until... Next year, you know, when, you know, he becomes a free agent eventually. And, and what do you do with a player who plays two positions? You know, I mean, what's his uh, what's his value? You know, you know, 50 million dollars, uh, you know, uh, annually making him the highest paid player, you know, mm-hmm. 25 as a pitcher, 25 as a, you know, as a, a hitter. It's a difficult conundrum because when you go to a place like New York, whether it's the Yankees or the Mets, as he's being rumored to. You know, will they be able to let him do, you know, play both positions like he is right now in the Angels organization, you know, without much pressure? You know, when you go to New York, you know, that's a different animal. So I'm very curious to see, you know, where things stands with, uh, you know, Juan Soto and Shohei Otani. Personally, I don't think Otani will be traded, but in the offseason, then that's a different story in my opinion. Right. Well, and where I live, of course, the Red Sox have, after a great month of June, have pretty much spit the bit. Um, got uh, pretty much played a horrible weekend in, in New York last past, right before the All Star break. Got swept by the Toronto Blue Jays, including a twenty five to twenty eight to five start yeah. this week. Really horrible. Um, they were considered, I think, in June at the end of June, considering themselves putting them back into contention in second place and in the wild card running, uh, thinking that they would be buyers in the trade deadline, but now the way they're playing, I think they're going to be sellers. Xander Bogarts has to think that maybe he is on the chopping block to be possibly mm-hmm. traded. Um, there, uh, the pitching has been absolutely horrendous. The, the play in the field, um, you know, not going after a ball that's been out in center field and, and allowing it to be an inside the park grand slam home run. Uh, I can go on. I know Chicago fans are kind of happy to see this to Boston. I, I kind of, I don't blame them, but at the, at the same point, again. Uh, I, I, I just um, think that the Red Sox really need to, uh, you know, I know they constantly want to be uh, with the Yankees. I don't think they're going to be part of it this season. The Yankees are just heads and way heads, way beyond what they can catch this season. Um, I, I just think that they have to do some selling. Uh, maybe let some of the young kids from Worcester come up and play and then just uh, cut their losses. And maybe they have to fire the manager. Maybe they have to fire Alex Cora because I don't think they're listening to him. I mean, Cora did a great job in, in winning a World Series with the Red Sox back in 2017, but 
I'm really thinking now that they're not listening to him. They're, 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 the play is just horrendous. The pitching is just bad. I have a feeling that maybe some, it, some new blood coming into the management, maybe we'll shake this team up. I don't think they're going to win the, the division. I don't even think they're going to go to the playoffs, but I think they just they, they really better start selling off right now before, before they're just a, a, a last-place team for the next few years. Absolutely. You know, Boston's, uh, I think, uh, you know, the weekend showing in Toronto was uh, pretty, like you said, the disastrous one and uh, may have killed their uh, hope for this year. So, you know, we'll be interesting to see, you know, where the, you know, uh, trade deadline, I believe, because the uh, the season started late is uh, next week. So yeah. we're going to be very, very curious to know uh, where things are and, uh, you know, where the organization, uh, you know, the Cubs included, you know, the White Sox, they're still pretty, uh, you know, stuck in the mud right now. You know, will they make any trades to uh, jumpstart their, uh, you know, uh, as the second half and uh, see where they go from here as well, so. We should talk uh, one thing before we before we go. And thanks to all of our thanks to Tony Greenstein for coming in as a guest, Aldo, our great uh, producer. One thing we should mention is the fact that uh, White Sox announcer Jason Benetti is going to go to Fox. He's uh, was been calling the games on Peacock, uh, the Sunday leadoff game, and also working college football and college basketball for ESPN. He will now become the second uh, announcer after uh, Gus Johnson on college football. Uh, for Fox and also be the number two announcer behind Joe Davis. So apparently, once again, Fox poaching uh, young talent, Jason Benetti, who does a great job as the Chicago White Sox voice, teaming up with Steve Stone. Um, he replaced a legend in Ken Harrelson uh, calling the games. But uh, congratulations to Jason Benetti, uh, White Sox voice. Uh, and he's going to be going, but he still will be White Sox announcers. Don't, don't, don't fret, White Sox fans. He'll still be there. So uh, absolutely. That's going to wrap up our show. Stephen, quickly, who is uh, – uh, do we have anybody for coming up for next week or two weeks? So uh, uh, two weeks from tonight, uh, we were close to getting uh, this gentleman, uh, Corey Del Mendo, who is the uh, Cubs writer for the uh, new Chicago media group, uh, CHGO. If, you, you know, if you're the Cubs fan or even a White Sox fan, I'm sure you might have gone on their website and do the uh, pregame show, postgame show. Uh, they interact pretty well. Uh, we were uh, close to having him tonight to talk about the upcoming trading deadline, but uh, we hope to have him on our next show, uh, which is uh, scheduled for August 8th uh, as of right now. So we look forward to talking with him about the, uh, you know, uh, the post uh, trade deadline and then the, uh, uh, of the Cubs and uh, you know, the weather baseball, uh, you know, major league baseball stands in the second half. Uh, after the trade deadline. And so that's be coming up in two weeks here on the Barroom Network. Uh, Stephen, great to be on with you again. Um, hopefully no more health issues for either of us as we go into the <laughs> fall um, and into the summer. We have a couple of more. We have some more shows. And, of course, you look forward to talking football, football, football as training camps begin thank you cliff for your for your kind thank comments. you cliff. thank you guys thank you for watching um we'll be on again in two weeks on the barroom network this has been the double a team for Stephen nagishi i'm ken fang aldo de gaudia behind the scenes thank you very much for watching us and we'll see you in two weeks Good night.